The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue in our series on family matters, we are looking at the responsibilities of parents. We've been examining the proper goals that must be set if child-rearing is to be successful. These goals must be biblical goals, not worldly goals. Certainly, we all want our children to be successful, but success must be judged by Scripture, not by worldly standards of success. In addition, we must have a proper understanding of theology, particularly the fact that our children are subject to the fall of Adam. We're not raising little angels, but little sinners who must be shown the right way to live. And God's way is always the right way. Please stay tuned for the message. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you'll enjoy.
morning, uh, we want to go back to our series we've been preaching on family matters, because as we always remind ourselves, family matters. It matters more than it ever has, and especially it matters that we understand what God's view of the family is. Over in Colossians chapter 3, we will begin reading in verse 17. It says, Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And if you'll turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 for a moment, and we'll look in verse, uh, uh, chapter, Ephesians, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, actually. Um, We'll read beginning in verse 4. It says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, in the part of this series that we're in, we're talking about parenting. We've already covered wives and husbands, and we've talked about children. And now we're talking about parenting. And I want to remind you of something before we go any further. You might want to turn over to Psalm 127. Sometimes in the world we live in, children are looked upon as burdens. And yes, children are burdensome. (laughs) They're not easy. They're not something that you should flippantly uh, decide, oh, hey, I want to have a baby, you know, because there's a lot of work that goes in to training up a child in the way they should go. It's not something that uh, should be done without great prayer and forethought. But yet, on the other hand, understand that children are not a burden. They are not a curse. They are indeed a blessing. In Psalm 127 and verse 3, we we read, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Children are a reward. And notice it goes on to say, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. This is speaking of the blessings of family. Family is a blessing. It is not a curse. It is not a drag. It is not an economic burden. All of those things apply. It's not easy to raise children. It's not cheap to raise children, but it's a blessing to raise children. And we need to remember that as we go through this. So as parents, parents should view their children not as burdens, but as blessings. And thankfully, we have a guidebook right here that teaches us how to raise them. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of worldly philosophies out there. And we need to avoid those. We're going to talk about some of them today. Remember last time we talked about goals in parenting, some unbiblical goals. I want my children to be well behaved. Well, that's a good goal, but the goal is to be well behaved so that they respect authority, not so that you look good. (laughs) I want children that have more than I had. Well, that's not always, when you give your children everything, they're not going to respect anything. Children who are, I want my child to be my friend. Let me tell you something, your two-year-old child is not going to be your friend. (laughs) 
your 15-year-old your child is not going to probably be your friend, okay? Now, when they get grown and they get older, they can maybe be your friend. But only if you've done what you should do as a child, uh, when they were children, to raise them properly. I want my child to be successful. I want them to have the best job. I want them to be fulfilled in their job. Let me tell you something. The job will never fulfill you, child of God. You'll never be successful enough. The world's definition of success is a false definition. Well, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I hope my children are able to take care of themselves. I pray that they have good jobs. But I, I worry more. I'm not as concerned about what job they have as about how faithful they are to the kingdom of God or how, how prepared they are to deal with the worldly troubles and philosophies out there from the Word of God. That's the most important thing. I just turn back over just a minute. We're going to go back to Joshua just for a second. We read this last time, but I just got to remind you of what Joshua's definition of success is. In Joshua chapter 1, you remember Joshua was the one who was chosen to take Moses' place. Joshua, Joshua was uh, uh, his protege, so to speak. And when Moses died... Uh, Joshua took over and chapter 1 tells us about that transition and how God began to speak to Joshua. And he tells Joshua some things that he had told Moses about the, the promised land and he's encouraging him to be strong. And then in verse 8, God gives us the definition of success that we ought to be interested in for our children. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Our children can be millionaires, but be complete failures if they're not following the Word of God. The way to see good success according to God is keeping the law of God in, 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 their, in your mouth, meditating thereon day and night, and observing to do all that's written therein. That's success. We talked about biblical goals. We talked about goals that are in accordance with the Bible. And we, had, we were in the middle of talking about some of them. We had said that one of the main goals is to teach our children to fear the Lord. I know we can't make our children God's children. God makes his own children, okay? But as Elder Sonny Pyle said, I can give my children the letter of the law. Only God can give them the spirit of the law, but he said, I can teach them the letter of the law, and if God ever gives them the spirit, they'll already have the letter. They'll already have the foundation. It's not our job to go in and say, well, I don't know if this son of mine is a child of God or not. That's not up to you. That's between them and God. Lay the foundation. Treat them all like children of God and raise them in a godly manner. One of the goals we have is to teach them to fear the Lord. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We talked about teaching our children the word of the Lord. And we were talking about last time teaching our children to honor God. That that is a goal that we should have. And remember what we said the true definition of success is? Success is when the book of the law doesn't depart out of our children's mouth and that they meditate in it day and night, and they observe to do it. Now, I know they're not going to be perfect, and they're going to, not going to all get it just right, 
And sometimes they're not going to get it right for a while, and then they'll come back to it later. We'll talk about that probably in a few minutes. But we should teach them the meaning of true success. That's how we teach them to honor God. And we're going to continue on this line for a few minutes, and then we're going to talk about some methods in a, in a few minutes about how we're to apply this. But, but understand that, that godly goals are what should be our desire for our children. It, it involves teaching them the meaning of true success, as we've already said. It also involves teaching them the importance of self-control. Boy, that's a problem in today's society, isn't it? You remember what he said over in Titus chapter 2 and verse 6? He says, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Sober-minded. That word sober-minded means to exercise self-control. Over in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. This is what we find there. He says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. If you don't have control of your own spirit, in other words, you, you know, we see this a lot. People say, I'm just, that's just an angry man. That's just an angry person. Sometimes we use the excuse, well, God just made me that way. God didn't make you that way. <laughs> Adam made you that way. And, and if you're not careful, you'll continue on that way. But what we have to do is learn self-control, learn to rule our spirit. See, in that day, if you had a city that was built out there in the plains uh, of, of Jordan or anywhere out there in, in, in the Middle East, and that city had no wall around it, it was subject to being plundered over and over and over, constantly being attacked and the enemy always being successful. He's, he's likening that person who does not have control over his own spirit to a city that is constantly being plundered. And the idea, I get it. I, I, listen, we all struggle with self-control. I struggle with a temper. You know, I, it's easy for me to, to lose my temper. And every time I lose my temper, somebody plunders my soul. It may just be the devil, but it may be somebody I'm mad at may come in and they may, uh, they always get an advantage over me when my temper, when I don't control my spirit, you see. Proverbs 16, 32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. You know, you may be the greatest general that's ever lived. You remember General George Patton? George Patton was a great general. He was a great man. But you remember he was always getting in trouble with, the, with those above him because he couldn't control his temper. He couldn't control what he said. He'd say things he shouldn't. He would, at, at one time he, uh, as I recall, I don't know all the details, but he slapped a soldier that gave him all kind of grief and trouble throughout the media and with his superiors. He took many cities, but if he could have been slow to anger, if he could have ruled his own spirit, he was, would have been greater than any general that ever took a city in battle. See, we need to teach our children to rule their own spirits, the importance of self-control. Teaching our children to honor God involves teaching them to be considerate of others. Remember what Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, I believe about verse 24. He said, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. In other words, it's not all about you. 
You know, that's one of the most important lessons that a child can learn is that it's not all about them. It's not all about them. I mean, listen, right now, Cal thinks everything's about him. He came walking into the fellowship hall yesterday and, and people were talking and making noise. He thought they were bragging on him and applauding him. He walks in, yay, thinking it's all about him, you see. He thinks church is all about him. And, and that's the way children are. They think it's all about them. But you have to teach them that it's not all about them. You know, the, the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your might, and all your spirit. But the second, Jesus says in Matthew 22, is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And in fact, he goes on to tell them that all the law and the prophets are summed up in those two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. And I know the philosophies of the world teach us that we don't have enough self-esteem. I get that. That's what the psychologists and the psychiatrists generally tell us. Now, I want to tell you something. I've got a Ph.D. in self-esteem. I'm all about self-esteem. My problem is not too much self-esteem. My, my, my problem is not too little self-esteem. My problem is too much self-esteem. And that's the way it is with all of us. We need to, you know, I'm not talking about browbeating kids down to where they think they're nothing, but I'm talking about making sure they understand that it's not all about them. Being considerate of others and thinking about others and their comfort. What's the golden rule? Therefore, whatsoever things you would that men should do unto you, do ye even unto them. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the way we paraphrase it sometimes. We're told that's the whole law and the prophets. It involves teaching them to be considerate of others. Setting the right kind of godly goals to honor God, it teaches, it's teaching them also to respect authority, okay? Now listen to this. This is very important. Throughout, throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, the theme is authority, God's established authority, and submission to that authority. That's what we've been talking about in the marriage relationship. That's what we've been talking about in the parenting relationship. In life in general, look with me over to Romans chapter 13. Very familiar passage, I'm sure. But in Romans chapter 13, in verse 1, God says in life in general, you're to submit to the authorities. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. See, in life in general, we're to submit to the authorities that have been established. Government is one of those authorities that God established. The teaching today is, in the worldly philosophies, is that you don't have to submit to authority. And, and we're beginning to see the results of that in some of our cities. So in life in general, we're to submit to authority. But also, listen to this, in church, in church, there's a, there is a a sense in which we are to submit to authority in church. Look with me over in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. This is what it says to all of us as a congregation. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now, is this teaching that the pastor is the, is the dictator? Absolutely not. I wouldn't want to be the dictator even if I 
had the right to be. But I am not your dictator, but here's what I am. I am your authority in this sense. When I preach to you the Word of God, you ought to submit to that Word. Now, when I get off, you also ought to know the Word of God well enough that you know when I'm off. And you ought to know what the proper role of a preacher is. Some preachers I've heard of and known of, they felt like they could control every aspect of their congregation's lives. That's not the preacher's job. I can't come to you and say, you, you have to submit. You have, but what I, what I do, can do and must do as pastor is when I see one of the congregation members getting off track is go to them and say, hey, brother or hey, sister, have you thought about this? You're getting off track here. And yes, there is a place for the church to exercise discipline over its members. There is. But again, that's, not, that's another message. But let me just say it this way. The church's discipline should be exercised with a view toward restoration. That's, that's the idea, is to provoke that one who's off track, who's off the straight and narrow, and doing things that are publicly uh, uh, a problem out there in the world that's causing dis, uh, uh, reproach upon the church, that sort of thing. Uh, that, that, that the idea is that we lovingly deal with them and hope to bring them back, you see. I'm not the dictator, but you ought to submit to my authority when I'm preaching you the Word of God. When I tell you that the Word of God says that children ought to obey parents, you ought to, you ought to listen. When I tell you that uh, husbands ought to love their wives, you ought to listen. Submit, you see. Obey them that have the rule over you. Rule in a spiritual sense, you see. And then ultimately, we've already seen this begins at home. See, there's authority in the home. Remember what our verse was? It said, children, verse 20 of chapter 3 of Colossians, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So let's, you know, you say, preacher, you've told us that's what we're to do as parents, so how do we do it? Do we just flip a coin and pick one of the worldly philosophies? There's so many worldly philosophies out there, but how do we implement this? Well, for the next little while and Maybe we'll finish today. Maybe we won't. I want to talk about some biblical methods in parenting. Biblical methods. I said already that there are many worldly philosophies out there. I, I did a little research on some of the trends today. There's one philosophy of parenting out there that's called permissive parenting. I'm not going to spend much time on that. Because <laughs> basically it says you don't have any goals. You don't set any boundaries. You don't have any rules. You just basically be your child's friend and let them do what they want. I don't think I need to spend a whole lot of time on that here at this church. I'm just going to discard that one right now. Um, I can tell you that that was not Harold McCoo's philosophy. Uh, and I suspect it wasn't Holly Dyer's or Ralph Junkin's philosophy either. Uh, it was absolutely contrary to what they believed. But there's a new thing now also called gentle parenting, okay? Now, it sounds a little better, the gentle parenting does. Um, uh, the, the goal of, well, let me just read you. I did a little research on it uh, this week to prepare to preach. And I'm going to read you a few quotes about gentle parenting. And I, and I say this, some, you know, in some ways you're going to laugh when I share some of these things with you. But, but understand that I'm being serious here because this is really out there. And you young parents are really going to have to deal with this and understand that this is not the biblical way to parent. 
Okay, this is what I read on one website. It's quite simple to apply the ethos of gentle parenting, parenting to your daily life, and it all starts with respecting your child's feelings and development. Now look, I, I get it. Our child's feelings are important. Their development is important, but, but let's keep reading. Traditional parenting styles focus on punishment and reward. When your child does something good or shows good behavior, you reward them with fun activities, treats, and positive feedback. If your child does something bad, though, they might get put in time out, for example, or you might spank them. And in parenthesis, it says, a decision doctors say you shouldn't do. And I'm going to come back to that. Don't worry. And here's an example that I read about under this type parenting. It's that, you know, a child throwing a temper tantrum when you need to leave, maybe to take the child to daycare or go to work. Uh, there's, you know, one of the options that I read was this. You get down on their eye level and you calmly say, I'm going to drop you off at school. Then I'm going to work. We need to leave on time. I expect you to be ready with your shoes at the door. If you're not ready, then we'll both be late and I will feel angry. And if I get angry, you will lose privileges. In other words, you're talking, negotiating with the child there. Another one that, I, anyway, I'm going I'm to share this with you. Another approach that I read to that situation was, when you don't get ready on time, it hurts my feelings and makes me anxious. Why are you having such a hard time? Now, that's, that is not a joke. That is actually on a website to, to encourage you to handle things in this way. And the idea here on this gentle parenting approach is that instead of focusing on punishment and reward, it says gentle parenting focuses on improving a child's self-awareness and understanding of their own behavior. The idea is to be more like a coach for your kid rather than a punisher, according to one doctor. Okay. All right. Now, that's really out there. Let me just make, make it clear. That is, that is off of websites that that are really promoting this philosophy. Here's the problem with that approach. The problem with that approach is that this so-called gentle parenting is all about negotiation with your child. And, and I'm, I'm gonna read another quote here. The idea behind gentle parenting is to approach kids with respect and empathy, to offer choices rather than make demands, to give space to the child's feelings and emotions and avoid losing your cool in frustrating situations. Now, all that sounds good. And we look, we should have respect to our children's feelings. We should be empathetic with them. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But, but here, uh, read, I read this from a website where there was a woman who had tried this. And this is the problem with it, is that it failed. Here's what she says about that scenario of where they're trying to get off to work or daycare or so forth. She said, every morning as we get ready for school and daycare drop-off, what should be an uneventful half-hour ritual becomes an hour-plus-long exercise of careful and precise negotiation, an act of extreme patience and benevolence, as I calmly explain why we have to go to school every day, even though we just don't feel like it, and why wearing only two pairs of pants but no shirt is not going to cut it during a snowstorm. <laughs> The sweat drifts off my forehead, prickles of anxiety coursing through my body as I ask my husband if the five-year-old's lunch has been made while digging through a mountain of discarded clothes for socks and gloves that match. Here's the problem. 
Just like this person, and, I, and I'm not making fun of them. This person was struggling, and she had tried the gentle parenting. And she's saying in this, in this blog post, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's the problem with gentle parenting or permissive parenting. It doesn't work. If you don't set boundaries, if we don't have goals, if we don't have rules. See, we don't need permissive parenting. We don't need gentle parenting. We need godly parenting. We need biblical parenting. And biblical godly parenting recognizes that there is a problem with human nature that we must deal with. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.